This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. In our study today, we're coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 20, or 7, 24 through 27. Jesus has specified and illustrated and encouraged the character of life to which Jesus would lead his disciples and that we were to follow. He mentioned two gates, two ways, two eternal destinations, two kinds of teachers. Then we looked at last week, there were two kinds of followers that said they followed Christ those that did the word of God, those that obeyed God, and those that said they did, but they didn't. Now today, Jesus is going to say there are two kinds of hearers. His conclusion challenges us to give a response to what he taught. In other words, what will you do about what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount? What kind of hearer are you? In Matthew 7:24, the key to everlasting life is hearing and doing Jesus' words. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The exclusive authority in true religion is the word spoken by Christ. And I'm not talking about just the red words or the red letter words. Again, we want to point out that the entire New Testament is the words of Christ. Go to John chapter 13, or 14, excuse me. John chapter 14, and we'll look there in verses, or verse 26. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And he's talking here to the apostles. Back up just a little bit, you'll see that. We go to chapter 16 in the book of John. Again, to his apostles. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed. And we're at the time now after Judas has left. So he's speaking to the eleven that are left. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. And verse 15. And all things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So all the apostles here in John 14 and John 16, and remember that Judas left in John 13. So again, all he's speaking to here is the apostles. 
all the inspired words that are written in the New Testament, which is all of them, they're all inspired, are the words of Christ. So the New Testament is where our authority comes from today. When you go over and you look in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, and we look in verse 9, it says, this is the Messiah speaking in prophecy that the Hebrews writer is here quoting. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. That's part of the prophecy. Now, here's what that was about. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second, talking about the covenants, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We are now under the law of Christ. We are under the law, perfect law of liberty, as James says, and we'll read that in momentarily. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are under law, no matter what some people may try to say. Also, we read back in Hebrews chapter 8, and we look in verse, we'll back up from verse 13. Verse 7 says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. So we are under a different covenant than the Jews were. Verse 13 says, In it he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. So we are under the law of Christ so again, the exclusive authority and true religion is the word spoken by Christ. You go to Matthew chapter 24, verse 25. Matthew chapter 24, verse 25. Jesus said here, Behold, I have told you before. He has told these things before. Here in chapter 24, he's talking about the word, the, the destruction of Jerusalem here. In verses where he starts speaking to them, we look at verse 3 all the way down to verse 33. That's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. And then in verse 34, he says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. So everything was going to be fulfilled that Jesus had just spoken about in that generation in which he lived. And then he says in verse 35, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So Jesus had told him, he said in verse 25, and in verse 35 he said, My words will not pass away. We are under the law of Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Matthew 28, 20. We begin reading in verse 18 to get the full thing here. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, the American Standard translates that word authority. So all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, excuse me, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all th things whatsoever I have commanded you. That's the word of Christ. And lo, I with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. So we were the, you know, that's where the authority is. Jesus has all authority and his word, the New Testament, is the authority. In John chapter 12, verse 48. John chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So we are going to be judged by the word of God. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now that doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus doesn't mean say, well, in Jesus' name I do this. No, it means you do all things by his authority, which simply means we do all things by according to what he has said. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. In the book of 2 John, verses 9 through 11, 2 John, verses 9 through 11. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. What is the doctrine of Christ? The words of the New Testament. That's the doctrine of Christ. If anyone does not abide in the doctrine that Christ taught that we find in the New Testament, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. For he that biddeth him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So there we see that, you know, that is where our authority in religion is found. It's found in the Word of God in the New Testament. We're no longer under the law of Moses. We're no longer under the patriarchal law. The Jews are not under the law of Moses. The Gentiles are not under patriarchal law. We are all now under the law of Christ. We go back to Colossians chapter 1. And we begin reading there in verse 18. And we're going to read down a few verses here. Of Christ it says, He is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace 
through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled, verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Now, how did he do that? Through his death. What, what is taught that we can have everyone? You'll notice there it includes both Jew and Gentile because the Colossian church was, was Gentile. In verse 23, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled. What is the faith? The doctrine of Christ the words of Christ. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the New Testament, the word of Christ, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. And then we go to chapter 2 of Colossians. It says there in verse 12, buried with him in baptism. We're buried with Christ in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. We are raised anew because of the operation that God performs when we are baptized. And that is we are raised anew. Romans 6, 3 and 4 says our old man is crucified there. We'll go over and read that momentarily. In verse 14 here in Colossians 2, it says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Now what was that handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us that was taken away at the cross? Verses 15 and 16 tell us. And having spoiled the principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He triumphed over the principalities and powers in it, the cross. Now, what are those principalities and powers? Verse 16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was one of the Ten Commandments. There we have the things that some of the things that are listed in the law of Moses. The law of Moses was taken out of the way. Not only the Ten Commandments, but all the other laws that were in the law of Moses, he took out of the way. Now again, we've mentioned Romans chapter 6. Let's go over there and begin reading there in verse 3. It says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death, were buried with him in baptism. It was mentioned there in Colossians. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. The death, where did he shed his blood? That's where we contact his blood, is in baptism. We're baptized into his death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We walk in newness of life when we are raised 
from the watery grave of baptism. Now, what does that mean? How does that how did that happen? Verse four. Therefore, we are buried with him. Excuse me. Verse five. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, planted in baptism, the likeness of his death, we shall also end to be in the likeness of his resurrection, raised a new creature. Knowing this, that our old man, now this is what happens in baptism. Our old man is crucified, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The problem is, there are going to be a lot of people to say, oh, no, 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 that ain't right. You're, you're saved by faith only. You're saved by grace only. All you got to do is say a sinner's prayer. Those things are never found in the Bible. Those things are never found in the Bible. You're saved by grace through faith. You access God's grace through obedient faith. That's mentioned here in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're not saved by faith only. You go over to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. You read there in verse 24. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, the like figure wherein the baptism doth also now save us, not to putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So baptism saves. We have to believe John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We see that. We know we must repent. Acts 17.30, The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. We must confess. Romans 10.9 and 10, you see belief and confession there. That if thou shalt believe with thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Let me back up. Go over and read that one. I don't want to mess it up. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. And shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You know, they're going toward that, but they haven't reached it yet. Unto, you go unto something, you're not there yet. If you're going unto something. And then baptism doth also now save us. You know, the, the psalmist declared that the sum of God's word is truth. You've got to take God's word line by line, precept by precept, connect it together. That's why he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You can't take this part of God's word. Well, I don't like that part. I'm going to leave it out. You see, men, men like to use other men's teachings. They like to use creed books. They like to use decisions by councils. They like to use their own feelings and all kinds of things like that for their religious authority. You know what those are? 
You know what creed books, men's teachings, decisions by counsels and feelings are? They're the false teachers that Jesus warned about earlier in the Sermon on the Mount. They're false teachers. They lead their followers down the broad way to destruction. Only by following all the words of Christ will we be led down the narrow way to life. You can't follow human teaching and get on the narrow way that leads to eternal life. You know, again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, people want to pick and choose which words of Jesus they want to follow. But the true follower of Christ follows only Christ. The true church of Christ follows only Christ. You know, there was a, a man that did a sermon one time, and I can't remember the man's name right now, but he said he was studying with a lady, and he took her to Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, whenever they were talking about baptism. And it says, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And anyway, he asked her to turn over and read that in her own Bible, and she turned over there, and she said, it's not in my Bible. He said, there's no Mark 16, 15, and 16 in your Bible? She goes, no, there's not. He goes, may I see your Bible? She handed it to him. She'd cut it out. Kind of like King Jehoiakim that cut up the words of Jeremiah. The lady had cut up the words of Christ. People want to pick and choose what they follow. And we must recognize on another point here, we must recognize the difference between merely hearing God's word and putting it into practice. There's a difference there. Many people hear God's word. Few put it into practice. If we hear God's word and fail to do it, we have deceived ourselves. You go to the book of James chapter 1 verses 22 through 24. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. He says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, you can hear the word of God, but if you don't do it, what good does it do you? Absolutely nothing. And then James gives an illustration. He says, For if any be a hearer of, a, of the word, and not a doer, He's like, and this is what you're like if you hear God's word and you don't put it into practice. You're like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. In other words, you walked up to a mirror, you looked at your face, you see that there are things you need to do. You need to comb your hair. Maybe you need to wash it off. may have dirt on it or whatever. But you look at it and you see the changes that need to be made. And... Verse 24 says, For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So he's looked into this mirror. He's seen what he changes he needs to make to make himself presentable, and then he walks away and doesn't do it. That's what it's like if you hear the word of God, you see the changes that you need to make in your life, and then you just walk away and don't do it. That's the what he's comparing it to. 
So that man that does that is a fool. He's deceived himself. Now, if we hear God's word and put it into practice, then we are wise. James 1.25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the law under which we are today. There are people who say, oh, no, we're not under the law. We're under grace. Yeah, we are under law, aren't we? There's the perfect law of liberty. You look into it and you don't obey it, you've deceived yourself. But if you look, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, in other words, you're practicing it, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. The word deed there meaning work. He's going to be blessed in his work. So Jesus uses, you know, James there used two types of lookers. Here Jesus uses two types of builders, does he not? He uses two types of builders to illustrate the difference between hearing and obeying and hearing only. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. In verse 25, we see the consequence of accepting and obeying Jesus' teachings. What is it? It's everlasting life. Matthew 7, 25. We'll go ahead and read 24 again. Wherefore, whosoever heareth these things of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Verse 25. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. It fell not. The wise builder builds his house on the foundation of a rock. This builder wanted his house close to a water source. You think about it there, Jesus is living in Palestine. Water in Palestine is very precious. In the Bible study textbook series, this quotation is found, and I quote, Palestine is a country of rugged torrent beds, especially from the central watershed east to the Jordan Valley. In the summer during the building season, these are dry, but in the winter rainy season, they become ugly, raging torrents of racing water, unquote. So you've got this builder here. Everything's dry, but he knows what's coming. He knows the rainy season is coming, and he needs to prepare a good foundation for his house. Milligan states this, and I quote, the hills of Palestine were subject to heavy rainstorms at certain seasons of the year and consequently to floods. Water rushing down the ravines would soon undermine the foundation if the house was not built on rock. If the house is built on the rock, it is safe, unquote. So this wise builder dug deep, laid his foundation on a rock, so that his house would withstand the floods that could come and would come. 
we go to Luke 6, 47 and 48. Luke chapter 6, verses 47 and 48. It says there, this is the Luke's account of this. He says, he's like a man, I'll back up to verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream vent beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on a rock. That house was founded on a rock. Again, from the Bible study textbook series, I quote, The test of a building is not its striking beauty, but the strength of its foundation. The picture changes from the hot, dry summer when the house was built to the winter rains which swell the little creeks in the roaring torrents which batter everything in its downward rush to the sea, unquote. And as Jesus said there, the storms did come, and the floods and the winds from that storm beat on that house, but it could not shake it because it was built upon a rock. Now what is Jesus here illustrating? The wise man builds his spiritual life on the rock of Jesus' words. We are all building a spiritual house, and the strength of our spiritual house depends on its foundation. In Acts chapter 4, look at verses 10 through 12. Acts chapter 4, verses 10 through 12. Peter here is speaking, verse 8 tells us, he says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the header of the, head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Our foundation must be built on Jesus Christ. There is none other. There is no other name by which you can be saved. You can't be saved under the name of Luther. You can't be saved under the name of John Smith who started the Baptist church or John Wesley. Wesley, who started the Methodist Church, or whoever started whatever church. There's only one. And of course, the heathen religions like Islam and Hinduism and things like that, they're not based on Jesus Christ. There's no one saved in those religions. We must build on the right foundation. Jesus Christ, and how do we know what that is? That's God's Word, the words of the New Testament. Because there is no place where we can develop our character protected from temptation and the calamities that threaten to destroy us entirely except in God's Word. 
That's the only place. And we're all going to face temptation. There are temptations everywhere. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Going a little further, the sexual trans, uh, temptations, the alcohol and other drug temptations, tobacco temptations, cursing temptations, bitterness, laziness, going to ball games instead of the church services, and on and on and on and on and on we could go. Those are some of the things we're going to face, and we need to be ready to face them. We need to build our house on the rock, the word of God. The psalmist declared, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We need to have God's word in our heart. But also, there are going to be, we're all going to face situations in our lives that discourage us. The death of a loved one, a horrible disease, a terrible injury, economic problems, all kinds of things. The storms of life are going to come at us, and they're going to bring bring floods of discouragement and winds of despair as they beat on us constantly. The word beat there meaning to violently rush upon us. We will be able to withstand the onslaught if our foundation, spiritual foundation, is on the word of God. If our foundation is not there, we will succumb to the storms of life that come our way. If our lives are founded on the word of God, we will be able to endure what life throws at us or what it beats us down with. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Paul says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned that in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. The word state there meaning circumstances. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We can do it. We can overcome. If we build our character on hearing and doing what Jesus teaches, we will stand approved by God on the judgment day. In Matthew chapter 25, beginning there in verse 31 and reading through verse 34. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31. <clears throat> When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. We're looking at the last day, are we not? The last day in the judgment scene. Verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. 
So if we build our character on hearing and doing what Jesus teaches, that's us today. You know, everyone is going to be judged by what law they lived under. From creation of Adam there, from Adam to Moses, the giving of the law of Moses there on Mount Sinai, everyone was under patriarchal law. Patriarchal law just simply means that God spoke to the heads of the households. You know, God told Adam, take care of the Garden of Eden and don't eat of that tree. God told Noah, build an ark. God told Abraham, you leave Ur. God told Abraham, you sacrifice. God spoke to the heads of the household. <clears throat> that continued for the Gentile world, but the Israelite world, the, the nation of Israel there at Mount Sinai was given the law of Moses. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments and all the other laws that went with it. So from Mount Sinai to the cross, the Jewish world was under the law of Moses. From Mount Sinai to the cross, the Gentile world was still under patriarchal law. But at the cross, all that stopped. We are no longer under patriarchal law. We are no longer under the law of Moses. We are now under the law of Christ. That is hearing Jesus' words and whether we do them or not. Now we come to Matthew 7.26. He gives us another key here. The key to everlasting punishment. Hearing Jesus' words and not doing them. Matthew 7.26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. To fail to obey Jesus' words is to be a fool. A fool. The Bible mentions fool several times. In Psalm 14, verse 1. Psalm 14, verse 1. <clears throat> It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So a fool does not believe in God. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 16. Proverbs 14, 16. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but a fool rageth and is confident. See a lot of fools in our old world, don't we? In Proverbs 18, verse 7. Proverbs 18, verse 7. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. How many politicians? Well, you know, politicians, yes. See a lot of political ads going around. How many politicians fall into that trap? But how many normal people do, too? In Proverbs 28, 26. Proverbs 28, 26. 
He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. We trust in our own heart. We are a fool. You go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And in verse 7 says the same thing. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. The Bible study textbook series says, regardless of how sensible a man may be in all other affairs of his life, if he builds his whole life with all its eternally supreme value on something else than Jesus' word, that man is a fool, unquote. And isn't that true? We could know all there is about putting an engine together maybe wiring a house, maybe sewing a quilt, maybe business world. Men or women, either one, they know all there is about business. But if they haven't built their life on Jesus Christ, they're fools. They are fools. Lack of planning is a fool's downfall. Now you think about it in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Solomon said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The whole matter. What has Solomon been discussing? He's been discussing life. So let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter that has to do with life. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. All these other things, a lack of planning. We need to obey God and plan for eternity. We plan for retirement. We plan for this. We plan for that. Are we planning for eternity? The fool doesn't. He builds his house on the sand because he thought, well, that's good enough. But improper planning would not help his house withstand the storms. In the physical realm, you go back, you have a storm, it's coming, the house is built on the sand, the floods wash in there, and that house collapses because it wasn't built on a rock. Lack of planning. Before, you know, he built his house in the same kind of area that the wise man did, but he didn't prepare the foundation to withstand the storms that caused the floods and the winds to come. Before the storm came, that house was useful and secure. But the floods came, and the winds came, ate away at the foundation of that house, it collapsed and was swept away. You know, that's the physical realm. But in the spiritual realm, the fool builds his spiritual house on something other than the words of Jesus. And it doesn't matter what that something else is. You know, there was a saying, and I'll try if I can get this right. I don't have it written down, but I think I remember it right. People, let's see, people worship their work. They work at their play. 
and they play at their worship. And isn't that so true? People worship their work. They get their money. They want to be going. They want to climb that ladder. They want to get up there to the top. Don't care who they stomp over, whatever it may be. People play or work at their play. Oh, they, they've got to get out and they've got to play soccer and they've got to play golf and they've got to do all that stuff. And, and then they play at their worship. We want to be entertained. Get that band up there. Let's have them musical instruments. Let's get this clapping and all that going on, and, and let's just have us a rock concert here. They've built their house on spiritual sand. It's not built on the Word of God. You know, the fool builds his spiritual house on something other than the words of Jesus. You know, we choose, or we can, choose of many philosophies on which to base our lives. But Jesus said that as far as the outcome is concerned, they're all sand. They're all sand. Every denomination is built on sand. Every heathen religion is built on sand. They're all sand. If we build our lives on anything other than the word of God, we have a false sense of security. Jeremiah 10, 23. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. Jeremiah says there, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And we've already read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. Goes right along with study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be what? Perfect. The word there means complete. But that the man of God may be perfect unto all good works. We need to base our lives on God's word. You know, the same temptations, the same calamities is going to come upon those that build their house, their spiritual house on something other than God's Word. And those same storms of life are going to beat on that fool's house that's built on worldly philosophies or whatever, and great will be its fall. It will fall. Jesus used a different word for beat concerning those two houses. Let's go back over to Matthew chapter 7. In verse 25, the word beat here means to violently rush upon. The verse reads, and this is about the wise man's house. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And beat. It violently rushed upon that house. 
Now, the, verse, the word for beat in verse 27 means to strike the foot against to stumble. Verse 27, And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and caused that house to stumble, beat upon that house. That house stumbled. You know, if we build our character, our spiritual house, on ignoring what Jesus teaches, we're going to be condemned by God on the judgment day. We can say, oh, I'm following God, Lord, Lord. You remember what he said in Matthew 7, 21 to 23? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Doeth the will of God. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Lord, Lord, look at me. What did we do? We did this. Look at that. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. If we again build our character on ignoring what Jesus teaches by not doing the will of God, then we're going to be condemned on the judgment day. Our lives will stand as solid as the structure to which we have securely fastened it. Every one of us has either built our life on the rock of God's word or the sand of men's philosophies. Temptations and calamities will come our way and they may come unexpectedly. You get that call in the middle of the night. Your loved one was found unresponsive. A few moments later you get the call that he's dead. But when those come, the whole story of our life is going to be told in just a few seconds. There's going to be no opportunity to pretend. Either we stand because we built our life on God's word or else we will be destroyed because we ignored God's word. So the question here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is what will you do about what Jesus taught? When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.